Welcome in to episode 244 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. And this episode is brought to you by Steve Weiss Music. If you are looking to make some purchases, go to steveweissmusic.com slash modern drummer and you will get a 10% off any purchase. So they'll give you a coupon 10% off, but you have to go to steveweissmusic.com slash modern drummer to activate that coupon. I would recommend you search their site. I mean, they offer pretty much every product available in the drum and percussion industry. But check out the Liberty One brand. That is Steve Weiss's own store brand. Very affordable. They have a wide range of accessories and cases and stick bags and all sorts of cool stuff at really crazy cool prices. In particular, check out the Liberty One rack, which I just reviewed for Modern Drummer Magazine. This is a rack that's more of an accessory rack. So you, and you can kind of, it's modular. So you can apply, you can kind of create your own little rack system for cowbells or cymbals or stackers or you can hang uh, string like wind gongs or crotales or cowbells all sorts of stuff to this they all come with a v-clamp that you can attach to a cymbal stand or a drum stand it doesn't take up a lot of floor space so again go to steveweissmusic.com slash modern drummer to activate your 10 percent off coupon and let's get the show going One, two, you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where to start? Where to start? How are you, Mr. Dawson? Um, wow. Is that loaded or what? Um, yeah, that's about the most loaded question you can have right now. Yeah, I, think, I thought we were good with COVID-19. I thought yeah. we really hit the peak of chaos. Yeah, I feel like the past few episodes I've been kind of politely saying things are weird but now it's just straight up things are just weird what is up what is down so i'm sure everyone out there is experiencing the same thing i don't want to lament too much or get too deep into it but we're here for you we're going to try to distract the chaos without downplaying it Um, but yeah it's weird i have not wanted to play music at all for two weeks and that is the first time in a long time for me wow I mean, I've still had to yeah. do stuff for work and everything, but there's just been no inspiration, and that's that's scary to me. Like to the point where I'm like, you thinking, know what? What other job should I be yeah. doing that actually matters? You oh, know, like, boy. like I'm getting into okay. that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, let's let's uh, as the kids would say, let's unpack that a little no, bit. No, uh, no. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I wanted to recommend is, um, do you know what episode this is? is this two four four. So in episode 244, at about the 10-minute mark, Mike Johnson's going to talk about five ways to kickstart your motivation. <laughs> and I really, <laughs> I really think it's going to help nothing, you out. And, nothing means anything anymore. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Just hang in there, Tiger. We're going to be fine. How are you well, doing? Well, first, I just want to <laughs> let everybody know that uh, you know, Mike and I are lifetime musicians, and when you're a musician, just like if you're an athlete, when you're a musician, especially a professional musician or somebody that's done it since you were a kid, you're, all of your heroes are from other cultures, other countries. We're always looking to rhythmic influence from Brazil, Africa, Cuba, India, all over the map. And so we kind of grow up with this idolization of all cultures. So we're not going to go like Mike said, super deep into the chaos that's going on in the world, but we really do need to state at no point in time, neither one of us will ever support 
prejudice, injustice, any type of racist view. That's just not who we are. We're an inclusive group of people. That's what makes drummers so wonderful is that we see sticks in your back pocket and that's pretty much all we see. We're like, oh, mm. cool. Family member. Mm. That's it. That's why it's called the Mike's Lessons family. I mean, that's it's not marketing. That's like, hey, if you own sticks, your family, the modern drummer family, if you own sticks, your family, that's how yep. it's always been. True. That's how it will always be. So we just want to make sure that that's clear. Also, we acknowledge we are two middle-aged white guys. We were clearly born with a bit of a lottery ticket. So for us to pontificate for the next hour about stuff that we've never personally experienced would be absolutely silly. Instead, let us talk about something that we know even less about, drums. (laughs) Oh, man, I have to tell you, I I blew my own sense of what is right and wrong in drumming when I (laughs) – I haven't even told you about this yet. I went full (laughs) nerd – and started analyzing to the millisecond what type of timing difference can the human ear detect? And then, like, with a click sound, claves, how many milliseconds before I can actually hear the difference? Okay, so explain to me how you did this. So you had a click on a grid, and then you shifted the the whole point is, everything I thought I knew, I have no idea. Once again, we're back full circle. So what I did was... I was going to actually drop the audio in, in this in this episode, but I figured that might drive people off a bridge. Like if they hear a click, <laughs> like it's bad enough already. <laughs> so it, I took like a eight oh eight clave sound, okay, and, and duplicated it. So you know, just had it clicking at I think sixty or no one twenty BPM, and every measure it would one of them would get delayed by a millisecond. Up until okay, I got so there's to like, no click track. It's just you just have the clave, yeah, glah, glah, which is glah, it's kind glah, of like glah. the the digital click sound that's in most yeah, software. Sure. So once and then I did that for like thirty or so measures until it was obviously like two different rhythms. Wow. So the here's what was crazy. I did this five different ways, four different ways. When they were identical, I could hear one millisecond of difference. Like my ear could perceive there was something different and it didn't sound right. Like there was something. Okay. When I, it wasn't a full on flam, but there was there something was just not something right. there that was distracting. When I okay. detuned one of them by an octave, I couldn't really tell a difference for like eight to 10 milliseconds. Whoa. Crazy, right? Now when I. <laughs> so you almost like detected a phase issue in the first one. Yes. But wow. it, and it just was wrong. But in when I detuned it by an octave, it, it took, I mean, eight milliseconds till it was very much, but it was comfortable for a lot longer. Now, when wow. I did 808 snare drum sounds, I could barely, there was nothing uncomfortable up to almost 30 milliseconds. It just sounded wider. And 30 milliseconds really? is a big gap. If you look at it, you on the would screen. think. <laughs> so what? Wow. The moral of the story was that I think recording to a digital click click is removing all the potential goodness of of feel because you're so distracted that you're afraid to push it to that thirty millisecond distance. It just sounds wrong, right? But if the digital clip is like a click is a is a hand clap or something. You're not going to hear it, and you're going to be able to to stretch it a bit more. Well, I, and most people's actual experience in a studio isn't going to be a – it's going to be almost that pay-to-play type of thing where you have a local band, you book some studio time, and then there's this 
grand vision in your head that even though you and your little local band booked that time, by the way, it was my little local band, so I'm not <laughs> belittling your little local band. But somehow it was in my head that that producer at some point would be like, hey, can you stick around for a little bit? And then I'd be like, yeah, what's up? You were really good. Do you want to do some session work? That's the dream. And every freaking click is a right or wrong answer. It's like, click, right, click, yeah. damn it, no, wrong, wrong, yes, 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 nailed it. And if I can nail 90 out of 100, maybe he'll ask me to stick around and record Shania Twain's new record. Yeah, because that's what makes hit records is is three milliseconds of delay. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, you know, the producers never, it would be so nice if a, if a producer came in the room and said, guys, let me tell you something. I just need it to feel good. Stay with the click the best you can, but most importantly, make it feel good. We would all just relax so much, mm-hmm. but it's just like when they get on the on the mic for that first time and they say, uh, drummer, do you need any more click in the headphones? No? <laughs> yes? I, sh- I don't know. Maybe? That is Was it that worst. bad? That is Oh, my worst. God. Can you hear everything? That's the one I like. Can you oh, hear yeah. everything all right? <laughs> um, why? Do you need a lot more bass? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, Why don't you ask my bass player if he don't, needs more drummer? <laughs> But I think it's Ugh. a bit of a chicken in the egg because have I had I not spent the past decade just destroying myself on the microscopic level, I wouldn't I wouldn't hear this stuff. And yeah. I certainly wouldn't be able to play within a ten millisecond margin of error to then be able to say, Let me try to go to fifteen to twenty to thirty. Like oh. I think if you're just if you're hitting twenty milliseconds early and then maybe you're dead on for a measure, then you're twenty milliseconds behind. That's not going to feel good either, but correct. What it just if anyone has you know just just try it if you can. Just put two really kind of annoyingly bright short click sounds into a doll and just delay. It. In Ableton Live, you can just there's a little feature you can delay it by milliseconds. But I was shocked, and even like looking at it on the screen, like where could I see the the two transients versus where could I hear it was really kind of interesting. But the snare drums was like having me rethink how i track from now on because i think i'm at the point where i'm ready to start adjusting the feel rather than just play in time like i, I feel oh, like i can wow. play in time now dude now can i that. control the feel if you say that you give everyone at home like yeah see i could just pull it back no one there's eight people in the world right now that can play in time and there are people like you that have obsessed over it. Like if somebody came up to me and said, can you play drums in time? My, without even hesitation, I would say no. No. But I'm not, I'm not really that b- bummed about it for a couple reasons. One, my job doesn't rely on that. Now, of course, to the normal ear, yes, I can play drums in time. But on a session level, no. Have I put the time in that you have? Oh, I just interviewed myself. Son of a... <laughs> Have you put in the time, Mike? Have you put in the time? <laughs> do you, thank you. <laughs> you know, Mike, I haven't. <laughs> do I think I'd be better if I practiced? Of course I do. I mean, and for me, the whole purpose in this decade of just of self-critique is I wanted to be able to do one take of a song and have it be good. Oh. I didn't want to have to spend four hours on one song because I, I wanted to be more efficient as a studio musician. And overdubbing on tracks that have been quantized or overdubbing on loops and things like that's that's just the reality for me and the only way i can get to that point where i can sit down and just play the song once know that it's going to be pretty it's going to be deliverable (laughs) you know sure that was the goal so if i'm just playing live with my band 
I don't need to be doing this to myself, but I want to be efficient right. when people hire me to do a song and they have no budget. Well, if I'm doing four hours on a song with no budget versus 15 minutes on a song with no budget, you know, it's just, for me, it's just the efficiency factor. Yeah. But it's been, it's also sense, been really man. fun. So maybe next time I'll drop in some of that audio. But it, as I was listening to it, I'm like, you know, no one wants to hear this. No one wants to hear 50 measures of two <laughs> sounds gradually delaying from one another. <laughs> I think your results are what they'd rather hear than actually go through the process. It's the same thing as as people that sign up for you know my website for for a, a good chunk of them. They're like, well, I'm not going to practice this stuff. I just watch your videos. I'm like, then you're better. That's all it takes. That's all you got to do. By the way, I need to tell everyone that you are broadcasting to me one on one via Skype with a freaking crystal clear cinema camera. <laughs> Hey man, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. Yeah, part of the uh, this quarantine is that a lot of corporations are having to do everything from home, and so I got reached out to by a company that asked, "Can you teach some of our employees how to have a better on-camera presence? Because even in meetings, you have to be able to handle yourself on camera. I mean, especially." Now that all the body language is gone and all we have is this floating head, can you stare into a lens and turn it into a person? Can you really make eye contact with that lens and know that there's a set of eyeballs on the other side of it? Or are you looking to the side? Are you looking at the screen? Like right now I'm looking at you and you can't make eye contact with me anymore. I was going to ask like when you're looking, because when you're looking at me, that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of almost like you're looking at one of those paintings where the eyes follow you. Like, are you yeah. really looking at me or? bro i'm staring right into your soul you i mean are. that's one of the things <laughs> when i, I do is <laughs> it's because i want you to get my point i'm i'm corporate america oh, I'm, I'm saying shoot. something so that that type of stuff has to be taught it has to be practiced i'm gonna stop staring at you now because i don't want to make you uncomfortable <laughs> but anyways so yeah i've i've got my whole cinema camera set up using it as a skype zoom blue jeans whatever you want to use um i've got a camera switcher i could show you my kit right now i've got lights on the ground lights on the side it's just because i have a a call today and th and the only thing is the call is leading up to the zoom call is leading up to the virtual camp where I'm teaching all this stuff. Mm. But I even want that call when these employees log on to this, they use blue jeans, but zoom, whatever. I want them to be like, uh, yeah, that's the dude we're about to learn from. Mm. I want my zoom calls to look as pro as his. Cause that, what else are they going to judge me on? They're going to judge me on this quality. So <laughs> do it, go in. <laughs> I'm fired up right now. We can end the podcast right now. I'm about wow. to run through a wall. Let's go, How did coach. We even get here. What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's get into some real stuff. Uh, so next week, I want to talk to you. I was going to talk to you about it this week, but next we'll save it for next week. Uh, I've got a new ride symbol mm. in the box. Haven't unboxed it yet. I'm scared. It and it has a purpose on my drum set. So for a long time, I've wanted the 22 inch. Uh, what is it? The Foundry Reserve. Mm, right, uh, right, right, right. I got a 22-inch light ride that's going to take the place on my left of my 22-inch Big Apple Jazz Dark Ride. So 
so I'm, I'm scared to unbox it because I'm like, oh, God, what if I fall in love with it like I did I the 15-inch hi-hats? just about to say the transition ride might be transitioning <laughs> elsewhere. No, no. <laughs> no, it shan't. No, I got to have one dry ride and one light Transitioning to the wall behind your kit soon. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, goodness gracious. I would, but we we still give the royalties away to a dog charity, so uh, the dogs need that transition ride. I like to play it. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to talk about that we'll go into, maybe it can even be our education topic next week, but the way you've worked on time for the last while now, I've been really trying hard to get my triplet vocabulary mm. to be as natural. I guess that's the real word that I need to put force onto i wanted it to be as natural as my land of 16th notes and to me when i say 16th notes that includes 32nd notes because i they're just twice as fast but it's the same vocabulary i don't have 32nd note vocabulary i yeah. just play faster um but my triplet vocabulary it all it's weird i could improvise in 16th notes for however long you needed me to never mess up never run out of ideas if I then switch into triplets, it's actually an improvisation of stuck together, memorized phrases, mm. long phrases that right. wouldn't allow the listener to know that I wasn't improvising, but they are 24 notes in a row mm. memorized, followed by another 24 notes in a row memorized, stuck together in ways that you wouldn't notice. But I'm not actually speaking. I'm reading from a script. How do I get my triplets, mm. my triplet vocabulary to feel like the 16th notes? And it's literally starting to happen right now. I can sit nice. down and just flow. And it's a really cool feeling. So we'll talk about that next week. But right now, mm. it's time to jumpstart your motivation, Mr. Michael Dawson. <laughs> oh, please, oh, please help me. I mean, okay. one saving grace is I have three very cool guitars by my work computer, so I can just learn a new scale now i'm like oh cool i never learned Man. how to play arpeggios up the fretboard cool let me do that today that should be the sixth way to kickstart your motivation <laughs> is learn anything other than your instrument because learning yeah. kickstarts your love for learning you feel accomplished i mean I all that. of this stuff is just neuroscience like it you it really there really is science behind learning something and how much it motivates you to learn more and more and more because you start to feel that growth. So I'm going to run these down fairly quick. This was a live lesson on mikeslessons.com. And full disclosure, this was in relation to a student that posted on the Mike's Lessons family page. Massive, massive props to him for posting publicly. Well, I mean, it's you know public to our family. Hey, I'm not motivated. This is a <laughs> this is a paid website about like stay motivated and i got your back and he was like yeah i'm not motivated at all i don't want to play drums does anyone else feel like this and how do you get yourself out of it so mm. these are some things i came up with and we can talk about them one by one or i can just run through them and then you can add in your own stuff so first thing i want to say is that we have to identify one thing that's been going on so let's stick to we're gonna this list was written before Everything broke down on a societal level. So we're going to stick to quarantine life. Um, okay. And I think that we have to acknowledge the loneliness that has come with that. And being alone and feeling lonely are completely separate things. You can be in a crowded room of family and friends and feel incredibly lonely. So even if you're somebody like you or me, we both have wives at home. It's like, well, I'm never really alone at home. You can still feel lonely on that couch. And loneliness 
is the thing that on a chemical level can seep into your body to destroy all of your motivation. Mm -hmm. So first of all, anyone living in this time right now that has had just the human interaction cut out of their life, it's okay that you're feeling unmotivated to practice or to be fit or to eat right. It's actually like a chemical thing that's going on right now because of the loneliness and loneliness is just like thirst. If you feel that you're lonely, it's already too late. You've been lonely probably for weeks. Mm -hmm. So just understand that before we get into this. All right. First thing, this is, uh, I don't know, step number one, write out your daily goals the night before. This is a very simple thing, but I can tell you right now, it's sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. And these are not goals of like what I'm going to achieve with my life. I mean daily tasks. So what am I going to do? You can do it on paper. You can use an app for it, like the to-do list app. Or for me, I actually just use the alarms in my phone and I set hourly alarms and that gives me 60 minutes to achieve that task. Mm. The biggest thing I think that might help people is try to make sure that your list is something that's achievable. Why am I still looking at you? I'm sorry, bro. You're making me really uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) People are about to pay to learn this, all right? <clears throat> okay, I'll look at the screen and so it's you can making feel me uncomfortable as because as I know you're not actually looking at me. Like I could be making faces. I am faces looking at, at you. You. <laughs> you don't understand. I've tricked my mind. I see you in that lens. All right, I'm looking at the screen just so I can be as detached as everyone else. You sap. Oh man. All right. <clears throat> I do. Uh, I, I do so, have a thought on this. So yeah, go ahead and, and help me. Okay. And let me. Let me. The only thing that me. I was going to say before you get to your point is try to make it something that you can get done by 2 p.m. Whatever you write out. Life is going to get in the way and things are going to spill over. Now, I usually go home for the day around 5.30 or 6 p.m. And then that's it. I'm, I'm done. I might do some stuff on the computer at home a little bit. But my drumming day, my Mike'sLessons.com day is done. And I'm trying to now be a husband at home. If, if I know that I'm supposed to get everything done by 2 and because of social media or a phone call or something else came up, it gets pushed back to 3, fine. Pushed back to 4, not a problem. The one thing that will crash your motivation is leaving work, leaving whatever you're supposed to do, knowing you didn't get your stuff done. Mm -hmm. It does not matter that you got four out of five done. You know you did not accomplish what you set out to do, and it feels like crap. And then you don't write it down the next day, and then you just slip into this like, eh, nothing matters. But when you come home and whoever you're in communication with, they say, how was your day? And like, they knocked it all out of the park, actually had an extra hour, did some practicing. You just feel so accomplished. So I don't I don't pack my day with a list going from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. I pack my list 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And that gives me like a four-hour buffer to, to like have life happen around me. So mm-hmm. what were you going to say, bud? It falls right into that last point because I've been a habitual over, overworker my entire life. Um, okay. I've never been able to sit still. I've never been able to – I mean – I, even as a kid, I would never even take my sneakers off because I wanted to be able to go out and skateboard at any moment. Like I just was it's like a strange wow. kind of of mentality where I just don't give myself permission to be calm and chill. Um, so I've had to be kinder to myself, like give myself one thing. Like this past week, I've had two electronic kits that I need to review. Well, transporting, unboxing, setting up, testing, oh, God. filming – Tearing it back down, putting it back in the box. On paper, that's one task, like film the rolling kit, you know, review the rolling kit. But that's about a 12 hour gig. So rather than getting, you know, frustrated, you know, I'm like, and frustrated, I didn't even get that kit 
reviewed. I have to, I'm being more polite with myself. Like you got the kit home, <laughs> you open the boxes. It's okay. Go walk your yeah. dog or something. Go, go for a run or whatever. Yeah. So I'm learning, it's, I'm learning to be more, um, more patient with myself. If there's any silver line in it's, it's that like, <clears throat> well, I was going to go to uh, way number two, but I'm going to skip to four because okay. it literally is what you just said. And I think that's really cool. Uh, so my tip number four, which will be now tip number two, is flip the golden rule. So the golden rule is do unto others if you, as you would have done unto you. Mentally, how do you treat other people? You treat them with kindness. You treat them uh, you know, you're always giving them excuses for like, I know you weren't able to lose the weight you wanted, but it's okay. You had a lot of stuff going on. Maybe you can do better next time. You're always supportive of other people. And then in your head, what's going on? Fat ass. Right. You're just a <laughs> loser. You're never going to be as good as those other drummers. So flip the golden rule. The way that you've been treating everyone else, treat yourself that way. Yeah. You deserve it. Like, why is there this inner critic that's constantly telling us, how lame we are and what we can't do and what will never happen when it's just like, look, man, I got it. If I'm not going to be my biggest cheerleader, who is? And I think that that mindset really, really helps. And I think it's a mental exercise to recognize that inner voice, the negative side of things to understand why it's there. It's there because bad things happened to you in the past and it's trying to protect you from it happening again. But it's stifling you from becoming the best version of yourself that you can be. It's it's not allowing you to be taking risks, taking chances, and be like, screw it, I'm totally doing this. You know. So I think by flipping uh, and think about, okay, if somebody else was feeling how I'm feeling right now, what would I tell them? When you just do that one little exercise, you'll be shocked because you're like, I would never say that to me. Right. Right. But I would tell Dawson that all day long. <laughs> like, bro, you got this. And then in my head, I'm like, but I don't because I suck and I'm fat. And I just don't understand how can hair recede this fast. This is shocking. This makes no sense. <laughs> Do I need new soap? Is that my pits? Yeah, it is my pits. I stink. Like, it's just this constant <laughs> just smack talk to yourself. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's funny because I also think of the opposite of it. Like, don't lie to yourself, too. Like. You know, don't celebrate absolutely. Your, your failures as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at no point am I like, dude, you're kind of killing it, bro. <laughs> Have you always been this good or is this recent? No, just kind of. <laughs> just wait until the world catches up with me. <laughs> it's, just, it's just shocking. Okay, so this is what it's like to be Elon Musk and Einstein com combined. Okay, I got I it. Totally beat Co them in chess. That's just need the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, why was that not me on the rocket going to, to the space station? Lucky I could have done bastard. that. <laughs> uh, they stole my opportunity. So yeah, I immediately go Don't into like negative talk. It just happens. It's just natural. And I'm, I, I think it's a defense that I have humor in, in darkness. But you know, it's just it's part of just my nature, and I have to acknowledge it. But at the same time, I'm like, just don't put too much pressure on yourself. Yeah, I agree. All right, so back to number two. Exercise first. Now, this is super, super important mm. on many levels. If the first thing you do in the morning, the first thing you do is exercise. And I mean the first real thing. Obviously, you have to brush your teeth, hopefully, and do some other things. But if the first major task you do is to exercise, I promise it sets up the rest of your day for success. Because you know for the whole day, you have this feeling like, I'm better today than I was yesterday. I'm already ahead of the game as far as like my health 
Um, there's never going to be a time where, just like Mike and I talked about on episode one of the podcast, practicing will never make you worse. <laughs> Getting in better shape will never make you in worse shape if you do it properly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not saying yourself. like, yeah, don't hurt yourself. But I also think it needs to be said that when I say exercise, I'm not talking like go do a three-hour CrossFit class. I'm saying literally walk around the block twice. Do mm-hmm. anything. And the reason why that's so important, that takes us over to the chemical side of this. That will release everything that your body needs on a chemical level. So all of the endorphins and serotonin will be released into your bloodstream, which will put you into a better mood, which kickstarts your motivation to do anything, whether it be drumming, hopefully, or something else in life. So first thing I do is I wake up. I usually do like this little... Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, do, I, I clean up the body a little bit, and then and then I put on my clothes and I <laughs> drive my ass to CrossFit. Uh, I can tell you after doing that and going to the gym when I was younger and running at different times like Dawson's doing, none of it was different mentally. Mm-hmm. CrossFit didn't make my mental day better. Running didn't make my mental. They all, it was like, cool. I got that out of the way. When I don't do it and say, ah, I'll do it at 6 p.m. tonight, everything I eat, everything I do makes me feel like, oh, it's just, it's all piling on. And then by 6 p.m., I don't have the motivation to do it and I don't do it. Mm. So if you could just do something physical. Now, if you get a double whammy in and at 6 p.m., you get, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go for a bike ride. That's great. I mean, I, I go riding my bike all the time, but the great thing when I'm cycling, I'm not doing it for exercise. I'm doing it to get fresh air so that I can actually enjoy life and reset my brain mm. instead of thinking I need to push on this bike because it's my only workout of the day. So if you can exercise first thing in the morning in any way, shape or form, even if you're somebody that's you know not into fitness, just walk around the block a few times. It really will help a lot. Yeah, having a dog has been the biggest morning motivator because there's there's no day off <laughs> homeboy needs to take care of business yep. and he's got to go a half a mile before he does it <laughs> oh. <laughs> gotta find the spot <laughs> gotta find the spot man all right number three uh this is i think probably very familiar to most musicians but create a break in case of emergency break this glass in case of emergency playlist So we've grown up listening to music as you get older and as technology has changed, a lot of us have, especially if you're a professional musician, that music starts turning into podcasts because you hear music all day long and you just need something else. But I have a breaking case of emergency playlist that is like, okay, if I'm really down in the dumps, never once have these songs failed to get me off my ass to do something. Mm. And so whatever that is, three, four songs, I can send you a playlist. I can help you out. I mean, I have... I have a pre-clinic playlist that is like all motivational speeches like put to like massive tribal beats. And then I have some songs that I'm just like, when I hear that song, I just want to play drums, man. Mm. And so it doesn't matter what it is. I don't get to choose what those songs are for you. But find those three or four songs that always seem to drag you out of it. And it's just kind of one of those things where I'm like, I'm so, just like what Mike said earlier, I'm so over this. I'm over the drums. I'm over society. It's like, okay. I press play. I know I don't want to. I mean, that's the tough thing is one thing that we have to recognize is when you're slightly depressed, when you're unmotivated, you actually aren't motivated enough to get yourself out of it. And that's the hard thing Mm. is, yes, this Weckl video will make me want to play drums, but I purposely avoid that Weckl video because I'm in a bad mood and I don't want to play drums. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Right? Isn't that the worst part of it? It's like, I know this would get me out of it, but I don't want to get out of it. I just want to sulk. So I think understanding that we all go through that is super important. And like I said, just having that breaking case of emergency playlist on Spotify or on Apple Music, whatever you have, super important. And I think it'll help a lot. And the last thing I have, even though that was three, we already did four, which was flip the golden rule. Last thing is number five, the tide of inspiration. You have to recognize this because no one, none of your heroes is exempt from this. The tide of inspiration is when the ocean tide comes in and all you want to do is practice, unbox your new symbol, play your new gear, track drums, you're, you're stoked. No one needs any help when that tide is in. The problem is just like any tide, eventually the moon will pull that ocean back out. The tide will go out. No matter how long it takes until that happens, it will go out. And that's where people that haven't played this instrument for, I'd say, over 10 years, they freak out the first time because that first five years, man, drumming is just epic. And then the (laughs) tide goes out and you freak out because you're like, I've never felt like this before. Um, Or, I mean, Mike, you said it. Like, you're like, dude, I don't think I've ever felt like I didn't want to play music before. Yeah. Um, It doesn't last. That's the thing. You just have to remember, okay, this is my chance to re-engage with my friends, my family, everything other than my instrument or music. You know, it's when you pick up something new. But you just have to understand when that tide goes out, use it to your advantage. Instead of freaking out and instead of thinking, uh-oh, this might be the end, use it to your advantage. Be like, sweet, I'm not as obsessed with that. Now I can finally do that project around the house that I was going to do or I can put more effort into my family. And, I mean, Amber knows it so well that, I mean, in our house, it literally is, she'll just say, is the tide out? And I go, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is not in right now. Now there's just like you, Mike, you and I don't have the opportunity to not play drums because our jobs demand it. I can't not film lessons. Right. I can't yeah. not do our live streams. You can't stop <clears throat> reviewing gear. Mm-hmm. People need to understand that is nothing like playing drums. Me being on drums for six hours a day is nothing like sitting down and playing drums. The mindset is so different. Yeah. And I've gone weeks at a time without playing drums while playing drums for six hours a day. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, it's, it's that muse. It's, it's always fleeting when there's, even with this, when I was doing this Elisa's kit, the first day I set it up, I felt like every preset was a universe of awesome to awesomeness. I could explore it for hours. And the next day, the exact same presets, I felt like I didn't want to hear anything. I was like, don't wow. even okay. play this crap right now. And that doesn't make any sense. It was, and it's, and now I've got this yeah. rolling kit and I set it up yesterday and it's, it's kind of, I'm in the, like, I don't want to hear this right now mode, but I know I've got to give it time. I can't like write a bad review because I'm in a bad mood. But <laughs> I'm like, why am I just not wanting to hear this right now? Like I just, yeah. but I know it'd be the same thing if I set up my custom kit that I had made, like it would be, yeah. and it's just so strange. But yeah, when, when, when the hair stands up on the back of your neck and you're just playing, that's what I missed. That's what I haven't had. And probably, well, it's been a couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my tide out time, as time goes on, my tide out time actually becomes more and more. And the tide in time is rare and I have to take full advantage of it. And that's, again, that's around the household. Amber knows like, Oh, the tide's in. Okay, so I just won't see you for the next week. I'm like, babe, I, what do you want me to do? This is the only chance for me to get better at the drums. 
on at this scale. I, I get better so fast when the tide is in compared to forcing myself to practice yeah. so I can physically get better. That's so different than that just when you're just amped. And the people that are in our industry inspire us rather than defeat us. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, man, badass job, bro. Wow, she's killing it. And then when the tide's out, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Just just, just shut this. up with your yeah, awesomeness. Finding the purpose has kind of been the ultimate during this for me. Like, what is the purpose? Because mm-hmm. I don't have a gig. <laughs> so yeah, what is the function of me practicing? And it's like it feeds on itself when I have gigs that are inspiring or I have events or whatever that that gets me more inspired to practice because i got to be on top of my game which means that i'm practicing right. more and i'm discovering more and i'm curious about more now i've got nothing to prepare for so it's kind of like going to the library and just just grabbing books like oh let me just read about this era yeah. of, of spanish history <laughs> you know like <laughs> what's the point of reading that right now right yeah i think well I, God, I don't know who I was talking to. Maybe Eddie Thrower. Or, I was talking on the phone with somebody, and I was saying we were talking about education and online lessons. And I said, you know, we're in a place where even non-gigging drummers, in their minds, they were always preparing for an imaginary gig because they knew. All right, well, on Saturdays, me and the wife go downtown, and we get we get some food, and we always walk past this blues bar where they're jamming and. I don't know, maybe the, the drummer just like breaks his shin bone and I just have to jump in and, and play a set. And it's like, I mean, the whole reason you learn CPR is because at some point you don't hope anyone's going to have a heart attack, but you just want to be ready. Yeah, right. And when we're practicing the drums, even if we're non-gigging, I don't gig. I'm a professional drummer and I don't gig. I mean, I do uh, clinics and festivals, but I don't gig. So it's like I still, when I'm teaching a blues grooves lesson, I'm still thinking, you know what? Folsom Hotel's open on Wednesday nights for blues jams. Maybe the drummer turns around. He's like, Mike, you want to sit in? It's like, oh, my God. Do you know how much much fear is in my chest right now just thinking about having to play a shuffle? You want to be able to say no because you can, not because you have to. (laughs) Right. But but instead, I would just point to my wife and be like, she won't let me. I would love to. But would you guys mind playing that as more of a halftime feel? <laughs> I'll sit in for that. But uh, so, I mean, that's what keeps us practicing. And when you take all of that away, then it's like, okay, so the only reason to practice is for personal growth and the love of the instrument. And then you and I are in the age group where we're part of social media, but we also are constantly mentally rebelling against social media where it's mm-hmm. like, wait, is the only reason I'm practicing is so I can film this and show other people that I did this. Like that feels disgusting, Yeah, that but yet we do loop. it. Yeah. And so it's, it's a tough time for everybody. I hope those tips helped a little bit, but I think more than the tips, knowing that you are not alone, everyone is going through this. And unlike clinical depression, everyone goes through this, a lack of motivation to your craft. No one is exempt from it. It's just how you handle it. And, how you get through it. Uh, real quick, I want to say something about motivation. I got this from, uh, there's a CrossFit athlete named uh, something Bridges. Man, I can see him in my in my head right now. Don't look at Old, me for assistance on this one. I did. <laughs> Old Bridges. Uh, anyways, he's like the, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny Bridges. Johnny Bridges. Uh, no, I, I'm not even going to mess with it. But anyways, I was listening to him. On their, Nike has their own podcast called Trained, and he was being interviewed, and he's a former Navy SEAL. And I got 
it was so weird. He was just like firing off motivational stuff without trying. He was not trying to be motivational. He was just answering questions. But they said, like, how do you deal with it when you're in like an actual like because he's a CrossFit athlete for like he does the actual CrossFit games mm-hmm. and everything. How do you deal with it when you, you can't even feel your legs? You can't your your chest is about to explode. And he's like, well, one thing I learned in the Navy SEALs is no matter what you're going through, at some point it will be over and you will be judged on how you acted during the middle of it. Mm. And, I always, and I thought back to every workout I've done, to every time I was being a little whiner in a drum lesson, the middle was always where I bitched and moaned the most. Mm-hmm. At the end, I thought like, okay, but at least I accomplished it, so check me out now. But it's like, no, no, no. What if we took that middle spot? And it's like, oh my God, yeah, I was complaining. I was whining. And that's really, it's weird. It was just a quick throwaway sentence by him, but it really changed my mindset on everything. Like, okay, in the toughest time of quarantine, be judged on the middle of it, not not how you came out of it, but how did you act when chaos was all around you? And even with what we're going through right now, it's like, how do you act right now? This is the chaos. We're in it. How are you going to act? How are you going to respond? And I think it, even when it comes to drumming, it, it still applies just really trying to be like okay come on we can be better we can be better at everything we do uh i'm gonna stop right now because i'll just go for another six hours <laughs> this freaking tea is just <laughs> rifling Did through I me hear an f-bomb come out under your breast there no no <laughs> i don't think so I think you that'd did. be my first podcast ever picked up that no i don't it was think a, i heard it i heard it <laughs> no i heard no, it. no i was i was working on my skills la 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 all right, we need Funky to thank Primer is such a good book. We need to thank our new sponsor this episode. This episode is sponsored by Steve Weiss Music. Uh, they are giving a 10% discount to any online purchases. So if you go to steveweissmusic.com uh, slash modern drummer, that way you'll be able to access the discount. Check out the Liberty One line. That is Steve Weiss' own brand of all sorts of stuff. They have stick bags, they have mallets, they have um, snare drum kits, all kinds of stuff. And the Liberty One rack, um, it's a drum rack, but it's not what you think. It's a very compact rack, which I've got here. So Mike can see it, but you can't. Whoa, whoa, it's, whoa. It's like an accessory rack. So it's like it, you can put cowbells and, and percussion. It's got hooks if you want to hang wind gongs and stuff. You can put cortales on it. Wow. And it just attaches to any drum or cymbal stand. And it's like 50 bucks. Uh, yeah, so or you can cool. put... You could put a nice LED light to film yourself. Right. <laughs> I, it never stops, dude. I can't stop thinking about it. It's like a modular rack system that's got these 18-inch bars. It's really cool. So go that's to really stevewisemusic.com cool. uh, slash modern drummer. Surf around. Check out the Liberty One line of products. It is super affordable. I use their stick bags, mallet bags. I originally reached out to them because I wanted to have a giant mallet bag that's like it'll hold everything. Um, so anyway, check it out. I'll talk a little bit more about the Liberty One rack later. But go to steveweissmusic.com slash modern drummer, 10% off any purchases. All right. Well, now let's talk about our featured artist and just a look back on the great Jimmy Cobb. Yeah, I mean, gosh, we lost Jimmy Cobb on May 24th. Literally feels like that was two years ago to me. It's shocking how Vast How much has the happened? World has tumbled since yep. then, but we have to celebrate the man. We can't. I can't let this current issue in the world 
for, you know, overlooked the fact that we've got all this great art to celebrate. Jimmy Cobb, um, if there's one jazz album that everyone owns or should own, it is Miles Davis, Kind of Blue. That's Jimmy Cobb on drums. Jimmy Cobb has played on hundreds of records. So what I wanted to do here was drop in, if you go to YouTube, look up John Coltrane Walking Live 1960, um, an amazing video that kind of gives you the best glimpse of what Jimmy Cobb was all about, <clears throat> which to me was serving the song, tons of drive and energy, but never getting in the way, like the perfect band member in a, in a post-bop, bebop kind of context. So I'm going to drop in some audio. This is John Coltrane walking live 1960 with the late, great Jimmy Cobb. <laughs> jazz drummer that's it it's like we we've kind of we have all these other icons that we go to first but when i hear jazz in my head it's that ride simple it's that feel it's totally. that forward momentum it's that push it's those quick jabs it's not you know what we would think that's what most of us would think like i don't hear max roach when i when i think of bebop he serves a totally different purpose for me when i hear bebop yeah. it's jimmy cobb 100 percent. man I don't know if there's any <clears throat> drummer in the world that took drum lessons that didn't have to start with kind of blue. And right. I mean, that that was just like what you had to do, right? It was, um, it was almost a rite of passage for someone to walk past your practice room and hear you playing quarter notes on a ride cymbal. Right. Yeah. The quarter note ride cymbal. That's Jimmy. Right. Cobb. Yeah, totally. And so, and I, and I think, yeah, I mean, I wish I had more, to say uh, about him, um, but I think a lot of other drummers overshadowed him with um, their kind of, I don't know, splashy type of drumming. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just listening to that little bit, I was like, damn, damn. Yeah, I think he represents the idea that you you your your worth is based as much on the company that you keep, <laughs> you know, like. He yeah. didn't have to lead his own band because no one liked him. He didn't lead his own band. I mean, he did later, but or back in the day because he didn't need to because he was on everybody's records. Coltrane, Miles Davis, Kenny Dorham. Yeah. I mean, go down the line. Joe Henderson, Wynton Kelly, Wes Montgomery, 
uh, Wayne Shorter, Sonny Stitt, Bobby Timmons. I mean, it goes Sarah Vaughn, Cedar Walton, Walton, Dinah Washington. I mean, it's an insane discography. I'm still scrolling through the same thing we're looking at. <laughs> I'm like, dude, does it stop? And it's not just one album. He's on like eight albums by everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I think like when I hear that, I wish now looking back, I mean, I, it's funny, you and I have never really talked about it, but jazz was such a traumatic thing for me growing up because of you do it in school. So you think you can do it. And then mm. you go to a club and sit in and you find out you can't. Yep. And then you go back to school and you do it some more. And then you realize there's two different things. I mean, no one really tells you when you're a kid, Hey, this isn't jazz. This is big band pop in a, in an American school system. Like right. this is not it. And I'm like going, man, this is terrible. And then I would look at, I mean, it's, you know, as, as a kid, maybe a 12 year old. Oh, okay. So buddy rich. And then I take that to the club that didn't work <laughs> out very well. I wish this would have been my idol. Cause as soon as we started playing that Coltrane track, it was like, Oh yeah. That's what everyone I ever played with that didn't like playing with me. That's what they wanted me to do. Right. <laughs> right. But I didn't have an idol to know to do it because Jimmy Cobb wasn't one of my yeah. idols and I missed the boat. And yeah. it's, and I mean, it's, seriously traumatic when i i still have a tough time like not going rock defense mode when somebody says anything about jazz i'm like well, what do you think about three kids in a garage making a song on their own with a you know and everyone's it, like whoa, whoa 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 i just said i like coltrane I'm like, you know it's like Phew. the way because your your story about that is, is i feel like man i i joined columbia house when i was 12 just because i needed some cds i got a cd player oh and, you mean that the magazine thing oh, where yeah, you put where you all the like, check marks. Yeah, you put like <laughs> like stamps on it on a freaking poster. Yep. And yep. the first one I remember getting was Winton Kelly and uh, West Montgomery at the half note with Jimmy Cobb on the freaking drums. It it wow. was jazz. Jazz what showed a, up to my door and it was Jimmy Cobb. <laughs> two totally different paths <laughs> resulting from like right around 12, somebody's like, hey, there's this movement and this is, you know – this is the demo of of whoever, whatever rock band, and I'm like that. And then, <laughs> and then to me, jazz, my jazz growth got stunted right at Buddy Rich and you know Gene Krupa, and it's like, okay, well that's jazz. I don't like that, and that was it. And I didn't know that there was big band and bop and hard bop and post bop and cool jazz, and I didn't understand the difference between the swing on the East Coast versus the West mm. Coast and cool jazz with Miles and. It wasn't until I was in college that I was like, why didn't anyone tell me this when I was 14? <laughs> that would have been a really good time to bring this stuff up, y'all. Because it's not as hard as everyone thinks it is when you listen to it from with the right progression. If the first thing you get yeah. is a Love Supreme or Nefertiti or even oh, a, bro, a I was, Weckle record, you're like, this is, this is jazz? I mean, what the hell is this stuff? Dude, it was like, hey, uh, here's ACDC, Back in Black. And here's Bitches Brew. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, that one sucks. <laughs> it's like, no, you just can't handle that one. It doesn't <laughs> suck. It's sucks. not even good or it sucks. You just can't handle it because your ear's not ready for that. So, yeah, it's it's funny how that can get in the way. And I think it's our responsibility as educators when somebody says, yeah, I'm thinking about getting into jazz. That's when you have to just – or anything. I'm thinking about getting into world rhythms, world grooves. It's like, okay, as an educator, do you know your stuff? When somebody comes to me and says, I'm thinking about getting into jazz, the first thing I do is say, hold up, I'm not your guy. 
let me take uh, this is Tim Metz. He lives in Sacramento. He's obsessed with this and he knows how to teach this from the proper starting point. Mm. Let me send you there. You know, it's it's our it's our responsibility as educators. But I can tell you right now, as soon as I heard that, I was like, God, dag nabbing. <laughs> if that would have been my record at 14, those club things where it's like, hey, you want to sit in? Hell yeah, I want to sit in. Then yeah. the song later, they're like, anyone else on the drums? Anyone else ever <laughs> in the history of humanity? Anyone else? <laughs> I was like, oh, guess that didn't go well. <laughs> uh, well, God rest Jimmy Cobb's soul. He left us with so much art. So celebrate the man. Absolutely. Check out some. Just go to Wikipedia and just pick any record from his discography. He is one of those rare few drummers that I think has never made a bad record. Um, you might not prefer it or love it, but his playing has always been consistent. He and Blakey for me are like the two that like it's just pick a record you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it. So celebrate Jimmy Cobb awesome. for the next week if you can. Love it. All right, you ready to get into some gear review that we've been waiting for for a while? Have we? I feel like we see. I feel like we already did this one, but I couldn't remember. No, we did a different one. We didn't do this as a full kit. And this is something... Oh, we did the dial tune snare. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. Now, this is something that... It's it's rare that we get to review something <clears throat> that just isn't another craftsman's take on something we already have. Mm-hmm. This is something that, like, stopped me in my tracks at NAMM, and I was like, I'm not... I'm not going to walk past this booth. I need mm-hmm. to sit down and figure this thing out. And and you know what it's like at NAM. The bigger the booth, it's like they get all the attention. And then the little ones that really deserve all the attention, I don't know without the magazine if you'd be stopping at them all. Yeah, I mean, and it's I, like, yeah, I definitely walked just too by many a lot of, them. of great stuff. I liked a week later, I'm like, I didn't see that there. I didn't see that there. Like, what the heck? Totally. And I think, and I, I think if I remember right, they were almost adjacent to A&F. And that's probably how I found mm. them in the first place was I was hanging out at NF or they were on one of the corners. But I just remember stopping at uh, the Welsh booth and was like, fine, I'll check out your gimmick. And then <laughs> as my eyes explode with like, holy crap, this totally works. I was like, wow. Uh, yeah. OK, I'm just going to leave because I don't know how to handle that. You might have really improved something that's been around forever. So goodbye. <laughs> so let's get into it. So we were talking about the Welch Tuning Systems. That's the company. And they developed their own cable system, single key tuning, like the entire drum with one key. And it's it's like a it looks like an upright bass tuning key or tuning something. Peg. Tuning yeah. peg. So the whole drum gets tuned by a cable system, but it's not like colonial old school. It's very modern. It's very contemporary. Um, the series kit that I checked out is called the Artistry Series. Uh, these are very high-end, very expensive at the moment. Um, but I think you're paying for the technology and the craftsmanship. So the kit is a five-piece kit. It was about 5800 bucks for the five-piece kit. I think it's about as high-end as you could get for for a five-piece kit, the snare is about uh, eleven hundred fifty for a snare. So that's the price to consider. This isn't a gimmick. This isn't a toy. This isn't a you know throwaway item. It's, it was incredibly well made. Um, I checked out the Bop kit personally, but we also reviewed the more rock setup. So I can only speak to the the Bop the Bop set that I reviewed. So I had 12 14-inch toms, 18-inch bass drum, and a big old 8 by 14 snare. Um, so I think we should just check out the audio a little bit first. So I did a really long video. I think it's like 10 minutes where I went. Anytime I have a cable 
system drum, I want to see how high the drums can go. That's the first thing that I'm curious about is how much tension can you put on this thing before it just explodes. So you're going to hear the kit completely cranked to the point where like the heads aren't even vibrating. <laughs> it's like totally <laughs> choked out. And then I just, so the whole video is real time. Me going from as high as humanly possible to as low as it can go. In 10 minutes, I was able to get a dozen different sounds, um, which is pretty crazy. We're not going to put the whole 10-minute video in, but we'll just drop in some chunks. So each drum has one tuning peg that's just easy to reach. You just turn it, and both heads go up or down. Um, and I was pretty shocked at how low they could go and also how much tension they could hold. So let's just check it out first, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it.
Okay, so first off, damn. For any of you that struggle with your toms not being in tune, <laughs> it, even because I wasn't just listening to when you played it, I was listening to you on the way to your next progression. Yeah. You never, there's never a, like a, yeah, there's never no. any of that weirdness. Like it was flawlessly in tune the whole time. Um, and at first I thought, and I remember feeling this at, at Nam. I was like, man, I wish the tuning peg for the bass drum was on the top mm-hmm. where I could access it. And then I thought, when was the last time I pulled out a drum key and tuned my bass drum while playing? <laughs> right. Never. Ever. <laughs> I know. Immediately so I we actually, think of the shortcomings and not actually what's Yeah, and, I, and actually while you were playing, I was like, you know what? I think that's it, That's a perfect spot. I bet visually it would drive me nuts if it was up on the top. Mm. Um, I'd, my rack tom might hit it. I'm some, it, it would... It would be a place where I wouldn't be able to mount my cowbell. Mm-hmm. So I think where they put the tuning pegs was really well thought out. But damn, I mean, I expected the snare to sound a little wonky once you got to the super loose tuning because there's nothing on it. You've got a single ply head. Yep. Um, now, is the snare doing the same thing that the drums are doing, meaning yep. that it's also loosening the bottom head? It is. Yep. So that's that's one thing that's adding to a little bit of the weirdness in the super low tunings is normally... If you were going to detune a snare, you would only detune the top head. Yeah, I think. Right. Yeah, this wouldn't be the drum that I would go for that sound. Like, why? Exactly. Why waste your time? But man, with that one, with, with this drum, uh, yeah, it's for those upper, the mids and up, where you can really fine tune the pitch of it. I mean, that's what I was doing. Was, I was like interval matching around the kit. Which, who, how often do you do that? Like, I want a fourth. Cool. I want to go to a sixth. All right, let's do that in like five seconds. I gotta say, this is like kind of the dream kit for you. I know. <laughs> I was, I'm a little scared right now because uh, I know this isn't the time to drop 6K on yeah. a kit, but maybe well, it is. It, it was a saving grace when they were like, hey, you done with that kit? We have to send it over to Brooklyn to uh, Sounds Like a Drum. Or, uh, yeah, those guys, Sounds Like a Drum. Like, all right, yeah. cool. I'm not even going to ask what this thing would cost. <laughs> well, the other thing that's kind of weird is when you when you see a kit with a cable system, you made a, I think you said, did you use the word colonial in the beginning, that it doesn't look colonial? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, a lot of people, when they do a cable system, they try to go as old school as possible. Mm-hmm. And I love how insanely modern this kit looks. This is one of the classiest drum sets I've ever seen. I mean. Yeah. It's simple, but at the same time, there's something obviously very striking about it. But, <clears throat> I mean, I'm digging it. I'm, and I know that they are working to eventually offer this for other companies to use as well so i think wow once because they had to prove the concept i think i think this was the year of does it does it work do people care and okay I, so let me ask you right now does it work 100 percent. i think yeah. the only limitation is um i mean the size of the drum will determine what it can and can't do the heads like i think any of the as i was sweeping the tuning the only dull spots were not because of the bearing edge or anything it was just because the heads just weren't resonating properly at that pitch okay uh, i didn't need any tune any muffling they were punchy they were pure i didn't have to freak out about fine-tuning anything i could change the sound in seconds um yeah. i mean the bass drum might be the one where like do i need a, a bass drum that i could do that with but just depends on what you're into what what you're doing um but the toms i think to be able to change the toms in 30 seconds to go from as high as it can go to as low as it can go. That's Man, pretty just, freaky. Just to be able to tell a producer, 
No, it is in tune. It's you. Yeah. It's not me. <laughs> this drum doesn't even have the option to be out of tune. Physics says this is correct. You <laughs> yes. need to fix it. <laughs> yeah, it's on your end with your fancy microphone. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm I'm really blown away. There was a couple tuning ranges in there that I just Now I'm listening to this not on car speakers or even through computer speakers. I I put in both like of my custom molded in-ears. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast on a phone, we don't fault you. But when it comes to gear reviews, if you can, please listen on good speakers or good headphones because there were just some tuning ranges that I was like, okay, I'd really like to have that drum set. That, that's incredible. Really, yeah. really well done. Yep, and and that's a 14-inch floor tom that was sounding pretty darn big. And that's an 18-inch bass drum that I was making my mm. room shake when I when I had it way tuned, way low. So very cool. Check them Absolutely out. Absolutely love it. Welch Tuning Systems. Um, you know, go check them out. Give them some support. They're new on the scene, and and I really want to see them um, last through this this craziness. So check them out. Welch mm-hmm. Tuning Systems. The Artistry series was the kit that we reviewed. It's in the um, it. June issue. If you want to check it out. All right, let's get to a couple audio questions. You want to start with uh, Brother Billy Meridian? Hey, Mike and Mike. Hope you're both doing great. I just wanted to start off by saying thank you both so much for keeping this podcast going over the years. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've benefited from the educational segments, the gear reviews and gear suggestions, as well as all the drummers and artists that I've discovered through this podcast. My question today is about camera gear, and I guess it's a little bit more aimed towards Mike Johnson, but ultimately any advice that either of you have, I would greatly appreciate. Uh, The first part of the question is, what would you recommend for a camera body, camera lens, and light setup for, uh, let's say, the three different tiers of somebody who's just getting into cameras and wants to start doing drum videos to somebody who's looking to upgrade to the next level to maybe who's somebody who's trying to go, uh, you know, kind of the best quality they can get within you know a reasonable uh budget of not you know paying some crazy amount for like a red camera or something um the second part of my question is at what point of let's say these three tiers are you really going to notice a huge difference between the camera setup and a camera on an iphone 11 i know a lot of people are using these nowadays uh it can obviously make some really great looking drum videos and a lot of people are taking advantage of that now so any guidance you have on this stuff is greatly appreciated uh, thank you both for taking the time to listen to this question, and I apologize that it was so long-winded, but I uh, really hope that it helps out maybe some other people on here that might be in the same or a similar boat. All right, thank you, guys. Billy, what's up, man? By the way, Billy, uh, Mike, has one of those uh, rare... You know how Gretsch puts out one kit every year? Oh, yeah, uh, like the he's Cypress? Got the, he's got the... Um, he's not. He has the one before the River Cypress, so I think it's like the Cherry... Uh, Whatever it was before the River Cypress, but mm-hmm. he's got one of them. He got the one that came to Sacramento. Nice. It's gorgeous. He's a lucky buck. So if he has a good video camera, a good lens, and a good light, that kit will shine. So, Billy, real quick, uh, let's just, instead of going through three different tiers, which would take a full episode because I'll go way too deep, let me just tell you what I would get so that I think the middle tier is the most important. If you try to save all the money in the world, just use your phone. And if you try to turn it into a Hollywood studio, it's probably overkill for posting on Instagram. So the middle ground is a great place to be in the camera world. So I'm going to go with body, lens, and light. For your camera body, there's anything in this price range will be great. This is the body only, but I'm going to recommend the Canon EOS RP. I use the Canon EOS R. The main benefit to that 
over the RP, it's $1,000 more. And the main benefit is photography, not video. So video-wise, you're good with the Canon EOS RP. If you want to check out somebody that recently got it, go through Eddie Thrower's page and check out his social media. You will be able to notice the moment he went from a little point-and-shoot Canon to the Canon EOS RP. And it is a massive difference. You will see it right away. So Canon EOS RP, you're dealing with a full-frame sensor, so you don't have to deal with any kind of weird cropping or anything like that. Full-frame sensor, tons of depth of field. It's a great camera body. That's $1,000. Then we're going to go... By the way, for any of you that are like, that is not affordable. It's relative. I'm talking about camera life here. It ain't affordable. (laughs) That's why my parents wouldn't let me take photography classes (laughs) in high school. It's like... Getting into drumming, like, what do you mean a ride symbol is $400? It's like, well, I didn't price it there. Okay, then next thing, let's try to get one lens to rule them all. You have a full-frame camera, but you're trying to get a drum set and yourself into the same shot if you're only using a cam- If you're only using a single angle, then you're trying to get it all in one shot, so you need a wide lens. You're probably shooting indoors, so you want a fast lens. So my recommendation would be the Sigma 24mm 1.4 art series. So Sigma art series, 24 mil, 1.4, 24 mil on a full frame sensor will absolutely be able to, you can put your camera, I'd say maybe two feet away from your ride symbol or the furthest thing out on your kit. And you'll be able to get your entire self into the shot and you'd be able to get the drum set in the shot. The main thing with this is this is a very nice lens. You're looking at probably 850 for this. Now, that is still affordable in the world of photography, but at 24 mil on a full frame sensor with this lens, you will have very, very little barrel distortion. That means you won't have a fisheye look. You'll get this massively wide shot, but the corners won't be bent and they also won't vignette on you. A lot of times when you open up your lens to 1.4 on a super wide lens on a full frame sensor, if you have a cheaper lens, it's going to vignette. And that just kind of takes away from the beauty of the shot. So this would be my suggestion. You've got an $850 lens on a $1,000 body, so you're looking at $1,850. Fully aware of how expensive that is, but I'm telling you, once you have this, you don't need anything else. Uh, Now, as far as your light, I use the Aperture 120D Mark II. It's a very, in this world, it's an expensive light for sure. The most important thing is not the light itself. It's how far you can get the diffusion away from the light source. So if you go with like a flat panel LED, yes, they save a ton of space, but your face will be green or magenta. You won't like the way it looks, and it doesn't matter how good your camera is or how good your lens is. I promise lighting is more important than your camera or your lens. So my suggestion to you would be if you want to save a little bit of money, go with the Godox SL series. So Godox is the company. They have an SL60, a 200, a 100, a 150. I really can't tell you which one to get because it depends on how much light you have coming into the room, but it's a great light. And then you just need a giant umbrella. The further away you can get the diffusion, the better the light will look on your skin. So if you get a giant dome, it's going to help. If you don't, if you have a really small diffusion that you put on top of it, then it's just, it's going to look kind of harsh on your skin. So that light is $124 for the 60 watt version. Uh, if you go to the 100 watt version, it's 240. Like I said, that's just based off of how much light you think you'll need. So Canon EOS RP for the body, Sigma Art Series 24 mil 1.4 lens, uh, and you won't need a ton of extra light because your lens can open up to 1.4. That is a massively wide aperture that will give you tons of light coming into the sensor. Plus, you're going to have a good amount of depth of field, that professional look, and then a Godox video light, and you will be set. Hope that helps, Billy. 
Uh, one extra question for me. Hmm. Where is the quality threshold that an iPhone 11 won't get you? So really, the, the pro- there's a couple things with the iPhone 11. I have that. Uh, it, it's similar to a action camera where it does really good in a lot of light. That's why, if you ever notice, Apple has never released a video of somebody inside their house. Ever. Mm-hmm. It's always outside and they're throwing snow at each other. And it's like, damn, that looks like a movie. And it's like, yeah, because they've got a sun above them <laughs> shining down on white snow. Right. It needs a lot of light to look that good. I've used my iPhone 11 in my studio with all my lights on. And I was actually surprised at how grainy it was. Uh, it's not bad. I, I think it looks good. You obviously don't get a lot of depth of field. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how you can tell, oh, that's got to be a phone because there's no real depth of field. They've got that pretty dialed in for photography, you know, using portrait mode, but not for video. Uh, so there's that. The other thing is it doesn't handle shaking too well. It kind of jumbles the sensor. So what happens is as you're playing your kit, sometimes it's trying to autocorrect for mm-hmm. the bounciness and it doesn't need to. And it just makes a, a little bit of weird footage. Um I can tell you this, guys, if, if you're out there listening, guys and gals, if you're an Apple user, like if you have an actual Mac computer, uh, then I think that using a phone is a great way to go. It is so shockingly difficult to get footage off of a phone as a PC user. Like, mm. it's not as easy as you would think. Like, I was shocked because our students were like, hey, show me the best video you can make with your phone. I was like, no problem. Challenge accepted. Seven hours later, I was like, screw this <laughs> why because you got you're a mac guy you can just airdrop it to yourself right yeah right exactly yeah <laughs> dude i had like 11 cables i was i was like on tech support i was like why is this so difficult just put footage on my computer so i can edit it um the main thing uh, though that you're going to notice between like the canon eos rp or any full frame sensor from fuji fuji well fuji wouldn't be full frame but any good camera from fuji or sony is once you have that footage, you can do pretty much whatever you want with it. With iPhones, whatever you get is what you get. So the shot is what mm-hmm. it is. As right. soon as you start messing with those colors, they all fall apart. So luckily, they do a really good job of doing all the work for you. But if you're somebody like me that wants control over the final product, it's tough because it's not like I can go in and just say, oh, let's bring the magenta down a bit. Mm-hmm. It, the whole thing falls apart as soon as you start messing with it. So I think an iPhone is great for a second angle. People are, you know, if you do, if you throw an iPhone above your kit, you weren't going to use a massively, you know, uh, a huge depth of field shot with an overhead angle anyways. Mm. And that camera is, I mean, how are you going to mount an actual DSLR above your kit? For most people, that's impossible. But mounting a phone isn't that tough. You can mm-hmm. just do that on a C-stand or anything. So, um, so I think using your phone as a second angle gives you a way to have two shots. Um, and then Adobe Premiere, we could talk about this some other day, but Adobe Premiere has a really great feature where you can bring up two shots in the comparison view and you can color match one shot to the other. So you say, this is the mm. shot I love and I wish the colors of this shot were closer to that and it actually does it for you so you're not screwing around with sliders hoping to get it near. So hope that helps. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for questions this week. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. Here's, uh, here's one quick well, I, I, one. This comes okay. from Scott sparks what's the last time you cared about what brand another drummer played oh okay let's let's not be cynical let's be real no it's i think it's a real question it doesn't really require tons of discussion what's the last time you cared about what brand another drummer plays god brand oh i think i mean maybe 
now not not that i was surprised that they shifted companies but i'm i'm saying as a player i was like what does he or she play because i love that stuff Mm -hmm. um i mean obviously like if jimmy chamberlain switches companies you and i immediately start texting each other Mm -hmm. um when virgil went from premiere to dw i was like whoa but that didn't change what i thought about purchasing gear so i would say probably I mean, I I was definitely influenced by Tommy Lee, thinking like, what is he playing to get that sound? Um, now I don't know. What about you? I'm probably last time I care, I care more about like what what were the sizes, what were the, what were the drums made yeah. of. Um, you know, it was kind of a shock for me to my it was like cognitive dissonance when I when I saw that Vinny was playing Peisty. Like it just took a while. Like whoa, I just so identified mm-hmm. him with okay. Zildjian A custom and the K custom ride. Yeah, and that might, and that was relatively recent. But that that was a bit of like a jolt. Like whoa, is this? Is he still going to sound like Vinny? And similarly, when he went from Yamaha to Gretsch, mm. even though I'd heard that he used Gretsch in the studio most of the time. Anyway, it was just he was just such a Yamaha guy in my mind. So I, yeah. I remember I mean, the was, first time I heard him play a Gretsch kit with Pisces cymbals was like, am I hearing, do I think he sounds different or does he right, actually yeah, yeah, sound yeah. different? Totally. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm with you there. That was definitely a, a, a shift for my brain to make. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. I, I think it comes down to how well some of these companies do their marketing because you and I can both attest to firsthand most of whatever you think your favorite drummer played is not what your favorite drummer played on the album that you grew up obsessing over. Right. Because I know for a fact that uh, the drum doctors came into both albums I did that were on that level of budget. And we never even played a full kit. It was a Tom mm-hmm. from this kit, a kick from that. So it wasn't even like you couldn't say, oh, he played Gretsch in the studio, but Yamaha on tour. It was like, no, I played a pork pie 10 inch tom <laughs> right i played a gretsch kick a pearl you know floor tom so and we swapped snares on every song mm-hmm. so so yeah so i think it there's a lot of branding that goes into it the branding that i remember the most was around the very first pearl jam album just accepting that like dw is the best yeah like, that pearl it jam was drilled into me yeah. yeah yeah it was drilled into me like well these are all good, but this is the best. And it's like, that's pure marketing and bass drum head. And you know, what's funny is everyone at that time had this massive logo taking up the entire bass drum head, Tama, Yamaha, Pearl. And then DW just had this delicate little logo right at the top of the head. And I just thought, God, that's badass. Yep. And rims. I mounts. can keep the DW head <laughs> and put my name on the front now. Right. Sure. You can put your, <laughs> there's the ego coming out. Self portrait on there. Yeah. Oh, you know what Simon says. So, was that last episode we we shared the uh, Sting in the studio performance of Ten Summoners Tales? I think so. That was the first time I noticed Vinny was playing a Superphonic snare. Oh, he was not playing a Yamaha. He was not playing a Gretsch. He was playing a Superphonic. So that Vinny sound (laughs) that we all how could that how did that go down with a Yamaha rep? Uh, I could be mistaken, but I I, I'm pretty sure there's some some clips where you can see those lugs. Like, wait a minute, that's a Superphonic. (laughs) I can tell you from firsthand experience, but nowhere near Vinny's level. It's a rough call. (laughs) Hey, Mike, what's up? So we noticed in your most recent video. Oh, God, here it comes. (laughs) Uh, 
if there's any way you could just never do that again, that'd be awesome. Yep. I'm on it. I'm on it. Sorry about that. It was a review for the podcast. That's how I get out of it. Sorry, it was just a review for the podcast. I just left it on the kit for seven weeks. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope we were able to distract you for a little bit. That was our goal today. Hope you all know that we love you tons and we appreciate everything you do for us. Uh, so have an amazing day. Who do we have playing us out today? Uh, this is this is a, a track I wanted to drop in. Um, it's not a listener. It is the great Max Roach. It's very mm. relevant. It's heartbreakingly, it's still relevant. He recorded this thing in 1981. It was him improvising a drum solo over uh, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. I was immediately reminded how amazing he is as a player. Also, his activism. I mean, he was at the forefront of this stuff his entire career. Again, it's heartbreaking that here we are 40 years later and still dealing with it. But this is a beautiful, beautiful tribute. Every time I hear it, it just gives me chills. So we're going to end it. It's off the record. Chattahoochee Red. It's from 1981. This is Max Roach. It's the opening cut. It's called It's Time.
with all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last.